Well, to start off today, I want to brag on some folks. That handful of people who were here when All Saints first began back in 2004. As a group of 40 or so had been meeting for months to pray and to comfort one another, not sure what was in store. But over time, it became clear that they were acting like a church. There was this deep personal engagement among those involved. People started to make significant financial commitments. And soon, a bishop from Kenya, Bishop Gideon Kathiga, offered to provide emergency Episcopal oversight. And then Father Chuck Filiatro came out of retirement to become All Saints' first rector. Miracle after miracle revealed that God's hand was upon this small group of believers, a community that had quickly bonded together and become a tight-knit family. Now, at this point, I think it would have been easy for this group to have held their community so tightly as to keep it all for themselves. I mean, it would have made sense. They knew each other well. They loved each other deeply. They, they had experienced both hardship and promise together. So, you know, th- their communal life had this sweetness to it. And there's always a danger that such sweetness could sour if you allow others to come in and, you know, change the dynamic of the group, to come in with their own thoughts and opinions about church and about faith. Because letting others in always carries with it a potential threat to the existing community. Yes, it would have been easy for them to latch on to this gift and never let it go. But oddly enough, that would have been the quickest way to destroy it. Because the best way to nurture and protect something is not by holding it tightly, but by sharing it with others, by giving it away. And another name for this is stewardship. And so, yes, I want to brag on that handful of people who made up the All Saints family back in 2004 or in 2008, 2012, and say thank you. Thank you for being a faithful steward of your church family, and sharing this gift with others who were not like you, people who came from different backgrounds, people who had different needs, like when you shared this gift with me and my family back in 2012 when we first started visiting All Saints. We could have been easily viewed with suspicion. This family isn't like us. They don't know anything about the Anglican way. In fact, this guy is even an ordained Southern Baptist minister, a formal Bible church preacher. We better protect ourselves by giving them a bit of the uh, cold shoulder. But that's not what happened at all. My family and I never felt like outsiders. We never felt like this group was, you know, trying to Anglicanize us or change us or, or hold us at arm's length. No, they, they treated us like family. And we've never been the same. I mean, that's the power inherent to being a steward of one's local church. You know, we rarely think about our local church family as something we are called to steward. Because to us, you know, a local church is rather a place where I can find my healing, where where I can experience the community I need. A place that is helpful for my own spiritual growth and service. 
Stewardship, on the other hand, as we understand it, is, it, that's more about giving your time, talent, and treasure to your local church. It's not really about what you do with the local church itself. That's not something we really steward, is it? Well, perhaps we ought to rethink this notion. Indeed, that's what we're in the middle of doing now as we enter into the second week of our annual stewardship series. A series we're calling Shrewd Stewardship. A series where we're attempting to broaden the scope of what we conceive of as stewardship. And so last week, if you were here, you'll remember that we asked the question, you know, how might we become shrewd stewards of our hospitality for the kingdom of God? And so we took a closer look at God's hospitality and how he was always looking to expand the borders of his dwelling so as to, to make his home with more and more people. And so we asked the question, you know, how might we do the same for others? How might we steward our hospitality? Well, this week, our focus shifts to that community that is created by God's act of hospitality, the church, the family of God, a family that, that takes expression in all types of local churches, communities that we are meant to steward for the sake of others. So that's our question today. How might we become stewards of this local church called All Saints for the kingdom of God? And to explore this question, we're going to turn our attention to the life of St. James, the brother of Jesus, which is fitting because today, October 23rd, is the the feast of St. James. But I think it's also fitting because I believe that James has something important to teach us about being a shrewd steward of our local church. So let's change gears for a moment and meet someone who is described in the New Testament as one of the pillars of the Jewish church, Jesus' half-brother, James. In our gospel reading today, James is listed as the oldest of Jesus' four younger brothers. But more importantly for us to note is how all the gospel accounts describe the attitude of Jesus' family toward Jesus' ministry. Come to find out they were all suspicious. They were all very skeptical of what Jesus was doing. So much so that Jesus, you'll remember, he even disassociates himself from his family one day when they try to apprehend him. Do you remember this? Because they thought Jesus was out of his mind, the text says. That's when Jesus famously asked the crowd around him, Hey guys, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? And then pointing not to James, not to Mary, but to his own disciples, Jesus says, Here are my mother and my brothers, whoever does the will of my father. We can imagine this creating a bit of family tension now, can't we? Which is why there is nothing in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John to suggest that James ever warms up to his brother. That is, not until after the resurrection. For it's in our reading today from 1 Corinthians that the Apostle Paul makes this revealing comment. He tells us that the resurrected Jesus appeared to his brother, James, before he ascended into heaven. Can you imagine that? The older brother, the one who received all this attention, 
who garnered such a large following, who, who developed such a widespread reputation. I, I don't, maybe James was a little jealous or, or took offense or something. Whatever it was about Jesus that kept James from be, being a disciple, this Jesus is then arrested, tried, beaten, and crucified and is now standing before his brother James in his resurrected body. Imagine that scene. Imagine what words might have been exchanged. I mean, whatever happened, we do know that James later emerges in the book of Acts as the leader, the leader of the church in Jerusalem. He's, he's the bishop of Jerusalem. He's now on board with the entire project that his older brother Jesus began and has become a central leader, leader in this unfolding drama. But something else must have happened between these two points in time, between seeing his resurrected brother and becoming the bishop of Jerusalem. For if James is now a believer, a follower of Jesus, then at some point he must have been born again through the waters of baptism. Right? For this was the, the commission that Jesus gave to the 12, you know, make disciples baptize, all na- of all nations, baptizing and teaching them so that this became the invitation of the early church. What must we do? Well, repent and be baptized. That was the invitation. Now, I realize we have no record of James's baptism, but it stretches the imagination to think that it didn't occur. Of course it did. Because that's how one is born into the church. James, the brother of Jesus, was baptized. Did you ever think about that? Isn't that interesting? That James, born into the biological family of Jesus, was then later born into the spiritual family of Jesus through baptism. And that this new family that he had been adopted into became something that James was called to steward. That as a leader of the church in Jerusalem, he was a shrewd steward of God's church. How is this so? Well, I'm, I'm glad you asked. For now, we turn to our final reading today from Acts chapter 15, which is about the famous Council of Jerusalem. Now, here's the backstory. All right, the pa- Paul, the Apostle Paul, his ministry home base had become the multicultural city of Antioch in Syria. And he had been invited by Barnabas to do ministry there because the gospel was going crazy among the Gentiles. That is, among these people who weren't Jewish. So many people from so many different backgrounds came to faith in Christ that they didn't know what to call themselves. Any ethnic label left out a whole bunch of people. What were they going to call themselves? And so for the first time in the history of the church, They called themselves Christians, a kaleidoscope of different classes, races, languages, but united as a mosaic that revealed the person of Jesus. But then these certain Jews from Jerusalem showed up and cried foul. Wait a minute. Stop right there. This isn't right. We can't do this. Because unless you become a Jew, unless you become like one of us, You cannot be saved. That's what they say. It sounds crazy, I know, but they did have precedent on their side, not to mention the Holy Scriptures, the Mosaic Law, right? I love how 
Luke describes in this passage what happens next. He says, Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them. I mean, you, you, you think? You know, no small dissension? I'm sure it was quite the squabble. But after this debate, it seems that Paul and Barnabas, along with some others, are then appointed to go back to Jerusalem to discuss this question with the apostles and the elders. And this becomes what is later known as the Jerusalem Council. Now, remember who the leader of the church in Jerusalem is at this time. I mean, it's James, the brother of Jesus, one of the pillars of the Jewish church there in Jerusalem. So yes, this becomes a critical moment in the history of the early church. Will the church open itself up to a Gentile world, to all the nations, without obligating them to submit to various Jewish rites and markers? Or will the church dig in and protect what they have by holding it tightly with clutched fists? They turn to their bishop the brother of Jesus, James, to see what he might have to say. How will James be a steward of these new bustling church communities? And after hearing both sides rehash their arguments, James makes the decision to steward these local churches for the life of those not like them, for the life of the world. No, the Phoenicians don't have to become Jews to sit around the Lord's table. No, the Macedonians don't have to dress like us to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. No, the poor do not have to become rich and the weak don't have to become strong. For there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female in this new family that we have all been baptized into. For we are all one in Jesus Christ our Lord. If being a shrewd steward of our church family means anything, it means exactly this. That we are meant to be a fellowship of diversity united around our allegiance to Jesus and nothing else. That we are meant to be, yes, a tight-knit community, but one we should never hold on to too tightly. Because we are always meant to give this community away, to open our doors to embrace others in the name of Christ. Because, get this, through the waters of baptism, God's heart is to create a mixed family. A mixed family of men and women, rich and poor, educated and uneducated. A kaleidoscope of races and ethnicities, political leanings and marital statuses, young and old, to bring the unlikes and the differences into a mosaic that shows the world what true love and justice look like, that shows the world what true peace and reconciliation is all about, what life together is designed by God to be. That's God's heart for the church. And so what about you? How are you stewarding your local church, this family that we hold so dear? How are you stewarding this community for the sake of others? Is it a a tight-knit family that you hold on much too tightly to, uneasy about sharing it with someone who might not fit in, someone who, who doesn't look like you or think like you? 
Or are you actively looking to foster relationships across generational lines, across racial and political lines, across economic and social lines? Are you inviting others into this family, unafraid of how they might change our group dynamic? Because you know that what we share together is intended for the life of the world and that it will only make our communal life sweeter. Friends, All Saints is not a perfect church. All Saints will never be a perfect church, but we are healthy. We are a place where people experience healing, where people are given space for the Spirit to work on their hearts. We are a family where others can can truly find a place to belong like I did, where, where people can discover authentic community and a safe haven to ask hard questions about their faith. You don't know what a gift that is. Yes, All Saints is quite a gift. But like all good gifts that come from above, we are called to be a steward of these gifts because it's not for you and for me to hoard. It's for you and me to give away for the life of the world. How are you giving this church away for others? How might we become shrewd stewards of this, our church family? Heavenly Father, we give you thanks that you have chosen to dwell among your people, among your family, and that this unique expression called all saints has become such a wonderful, life-giving, healthy place. We give you thanks for the glue that holds our relationships together, but we do pray that this glue wouldn't solidify so that we become rigid and difficult for others to break into. May we, like as Jesus stretched out his arms of love on the cross, may we reach out our hands of love to those around us, to those far from you, so that they may come to the knowledge and love of Christ. May we be that type of community and steward this church well. We pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.